Hello, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to Battle Station Radio. I'm your host, Kate Ellsworth, who's getting over a cold this week, so apologize for the stuffy voice. Um, episode 6 of Ahsoka just aired yesterday. It was amazing. I thought Episode 4 was amazing. Episode 5, even better. And this, if you can believe it, topped even Episode 5 in terms of sheer Star Wars awesomeness. So, uh, lots to discuss in this episode. Uh, not a lot of action in this episode, but it really moves the plot forward. Uh, quite significantly setting up for the last two episodes of the season. So the episode begins with Ahsoka and Huang, and they're inside of that Purgle traveling in hyperspace. Hyperspace looks really cool in this other galaxy. There's a bunch of like different colors and stuff. Or maybe that's uh, just a difference with how the Purgles travel, as opposed to a ship going through hyperspace. So Ahsoka and Huang have a short conversation about Sabine, and then it was really awesome because Huang is telling a story to Ahsoka, ones that they used to tell the younglings of the Jedi Temple. And, of course, it begins with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So I cheered at the screen because that was it was awesome because that's in every Star Wars movie at the beginning, and it's just awesome to hear it said in Star Wars, especially by David Tennant, who plays Hugh Wang. So that's just an awesome uh, thing for him to say. I'm sure he was very happy to say that because apparently he is a big Star Wars fan. Um, so we don't see Hugh Wang or Ahsoka for the rest of the episode. Uh, they're a bit behind, right? They were looking for Ahsoka for a few hours at least in the previous episode, so I bet they're at least half a day behind uh, the Eye of Scion. Speaking of the Eye of Scion, um, that's where we go next, and they come out of hyperspace. It looks like the ship is a bit uh, smoking, a bit, uh, a bit damaged for having such a big hyperspace jump. But anyway, they come to this big planet, and it has a ring around it. It's a really unique-looking planet. And so we've arrived at Peridia, and a cool thing that uh, Morgan Elspeth says, and she's with Balin and Shin and Sabine, they've come out of the Eye of Scion into her little golden shuttle ship, and they're going uh, down to Peridia. So she says that this is the ancient uh, birthplace, ancient origin of the Dathomiri Night Sisters, which is a really cool piece of lore to uncover in this episode. Um, as they fly down to the planet, there's all these creepy... Uh, Night Sister statues, like the ones we saw um, in that first episode of Ahsoka, where Ahsoka finds the map in that underground temple. And it's also made mention, I think, one of them mentions that this this Peridia is sort of a graveyard for Purgles. I, I took that as to mean it's the end of their life cycle, and they come here maybe to reproduce and then, and then die, and maybe the new Purgles go to the other galaxy, kind of like some animals work on Earth. Uh, when they fly through the ring, you see that the ring is just made up of decomposed purgle parts. There's a couple of big rib cages and stuff and some floating uh, decayed tentacles, which is a little gross. But they go down and land at this big, it looks like Minas Tirith from Lord of the Rings. So it's a dark version of Minas Tirith, basically. So it's this big tower on a mountainside. And they land on the platform. And there's not one or two, but three uh, Night Sisters. And they're all in the red outfit. They remind me of Mother Talzin from the Clone Wars. She was always in red and had a kind of a cool headdress on. So there's three of these Night Sister witches this time. And so I think Morgan refers to them as Great Mother. And we know that Mother Talzin was the Great Mother of the Night Sister clan in, in our galaxy, in the typical Star Wars galaxy. So it's interesting to see, like, there's also Night Sisters here on Peridia in this distant galaxy. Um, the Night Sisters can immediately smell that something is not right with Sabine. They say that she 
reeks of Jedi. And I think that's just being in proximity to Balin or Ahsoka. Because they're both Jedi-ish. And I don't think that they're saying that Sabine is somehow secretly Force-sensitive. I still don't see her being a Jedi in this show. So anyway, they put uh, Sabine in a prison cell. And we wait a few minutes. And then the cell starts rumbling. So she's put her hand out, you know, to try and use the Force to escape. And things start, little pebbles start coming loose. And she's like, oh, wow, I did it. And then a shadow comes over her, the window of her cell. And then in a really awesome shot, we see the the Black Tower, right? The Minas Tirith-looking thing. And then the Chimera, Thrawn Star Destroyer, just comes over it. And it shows the bottom, and it's the painting of the Chimera, so you know it's Thrawn's ship. It's a really cool design of a ship. Uh, there's lots of battle damage on it from the Battle of Lothal, and it's been covered with, like, golden metal and golden framing and stuff it's really cool and the use of gold or at least the color to kind of fix things we're going to see in a few minutes as well so basically his star destroyer comes and lands over the tower sort of like a docking station and this episode wastes no time getting to the return of grand admiral thrawn in live action about 15 minutes in we see the chimera it lands on the uh tower and up strolls thrawn he walks through this really cool legion of stormtroopers. Uh, they all have like bits broken on their helmets and armor. There's gold bits filling in the cracks. There's some like stone bits filling in the cracks as well. And the most interesting part to these stormtroopers is they're all covered in these red bandagey cloth kind of things, kind of like Night Sisters. So Thrawn strolls through his army, and it's a really cool entrance because they're all sh- chanting his name, Thrawn, Thrawn. And it's playing organ music like it does in Star Wars Rebels whenever he's introduced. So all in all, just the perfect way to bring this character uh, from a novel in the Expanded Universe almost three decades ago to animation and finally to live-action Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, He introduces uh, Stormtrooper as his captain of his guard. And this Stormtrooper has a really cool kind of like Roman centurion golden mask where the where the visor should be in his stormtrooper helmet. And he has like this golden pauldron and sort of this comma slash skirt slash something on his legs that looks really cool. So all the stormtroopers are really cool design. Enoch, the captain of the guard, is a really cool design as well. And Grand Admiral Thrawn, <coughs> Grand Admiral Thrawn translates great to live action. Uh, Lars Mikkelsen did a fantastic job with his mannerisms from Star Wars Rebels, and obviously he's the voice actor, so the voice sounds exactly the same, and it was really easy to accept this new live-action version as Thrawn, because the voice was on point, and he's awesome as Thrawn, Lars Mikkelsen. So great job to him acting in this episode. Um, so he approaches the Night Sisters. He looks pretty pleased about seeing people from the distant galaxy for the first time. Um, he talks, does a little chit-chat. It's revealed that Sabine Wren is their prisoner, and then he wants to talk to her. So the next scene is him talking to Sabine. And he basically follows through on Balin's promise to her of that she's going to be able to go find Ezra. And so they give her this kind of rat, dog, wolf, horse type thing. And she goes off. <coughs> and it's cool because Enoch, as he's, as he's preparing the mount for her and giving her back her weapons and stuff, he says, die well, which is uh, pretty ominous. And it sounds like this... this uh, Wasteland of a planet, Peridia, is not uh, friendly to outsiders or newcomers. 
And so she's kind of journeying along. She gets attacked by some bandits. Uh, using Ezra's lightsaber, she makes quick work of those. So she makes quick work of these bandits. And then her and the little dog rat thing named Howler, I think. And they're kind of going along and they find this, this, the, the mount is sort of sniffing around this rock. And out pops this little crab urchin looking guy. So obviously the rock is sort of his shell. And he, he looks like a crab. He has little pinchers and stuff. And he's dressed in like, it reminded me of like what the hobbits wear in Lord of the Rings. And so, crazy. I love Star Wars just because you get all these little cool little aliens that you don't expect to see. Right? I didn't expect the rock to pop up and be a little crab person. And that's just part of the magic of Star Wars to me. Um, so it's revealed that he has a little uh, lanyard with a little rebel pin uh, on his around his neck. And right, where has he seen the rebel pin? Obviously, it has to be Ezra. And it's revealed that he knows Ezra Bridger. He says his name takes her to this little village where there's all these pod houses and all the rest of the crab people. And then just when you think, just when Sabine thinks that Ezra's not there, then the camera pans over and he's there. And he says, I knew I could count on you, which is a cool callback to his hologram message to her where he says, I know I can count on you. So Ezra translates perfectly to live action. The actor, uh, Eman Esfandi, hopefully I'm saying that right, um, looks exactly like him. Uh, I think they put contacts in his eyes, so he has that really piercing blue eyes that Ezra has in the in the cartoon Rebels. Um, his how he talks, his mannerisms, I feel like are really on point with Ezra, especially in Ezra who has spent ten years in this wasteland of a planet Peridia, uh, just trying to survive. So it's unclear, right, what exactly happened when him and Thrawn arrived on this planet in the first place. I'm sure Ezra found a way off the Chimera and has been since hiding from Thrawn ever since. And we go back to Thrawn. He asks the Night Sisters for another favor, and they talk about how the Night Sisters can sense Ahsoka on her way with the whales, and he is <laughs> he must have like PTSD from the Purgles, because he's like, if you see a star whale, then shoot it down with extreme prejudice. That's what he says. And so I think he's worried. It's interesting how he was able to deduce that it was Ahsoka, He's pretty smart for being able to do that. Um, he asks information about her, especially her master. So it'll be interesting to see what he thinks of that because uh, Thrawn is one of the only people that knows Anakin Skywalker turned into Darth Vader. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of tries to get in her head about that. But I think I think he's going to try to get in her head and it's not going to work just because since episode five, I feel like she's more at peace with what happened to Anakin and she's all in all a more at balance person, you know. I think she's more peaceful, especially when we saw her communing with the Purgles at the end of episode 5. She seems much calmer and much like her regular self. So, uh Thrawn finding out or deducing that Ahsoka is coming is sort of the end of the episode. That's where it closes. Of course, setting up episode 7 and 8 of Ahsoka, and those are going to be amazing episodes. If what Dave Filoni has done so far is any indication, then I am really excited for the uh next episode and then the finale. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was the night troopers. So when all the stormtroopers are chanting Thrawn's name, in the subtitles, if you have captions on, it lists them as night troopers. And of course, the the Dathomiri uh, witches are called night sisters. So there's got to be some connection there. Now the first thing I noticed, of course, was all the uh, red cloth bandages wrapping around most of the stormtroopers. It's interesting that Enoch, uh, the captain 
of Thrawn's guard didn't have those, and I'll get back to that in a minute. Now, I didn't think much of these uh, red uh, cloth bands at first until I was done watching the episode. At first, I just thought, oh, they're just augmenting their armor because they've been here for so long, and they're associated with the Night Sisters, so they've all just kind of adopted this red color of cloth bands around their armor. But I saw an interesting YouTube comment uh, uh, a couple hours later on a video about the episode, and it's sort of the common consensus online right now that these uh, troopers with all the red bands are probably resurrected or reanimated stormtroopers. Um, the theory is that a lot of these stormtroopers, or maybe all of them, uh, died when the Purgles first took the Chimera all the way to Peridia. It's honestly really dark to think about Thrawn spending 10 years with a bunch of living but not really living uh, stormtroopers. And uh, one more uh, piece of evidence for this theory, I guess, is the stormtrooper who's kind of pre preparing the the howler for uh, Sabine to go out into the wilderness. He kind of has his head kind of moves like this. Just like weird twitching, which you would associate with a zombie. Um, it's interesting, like I said, that Enoch does not have these red bandages around him. And I've been reading online that apparently Enoch in the Old Testament, the name means that he did not die. So I'm thinking that all the rest of the stormtroopers are reanimated stormtroopers, uh, brought back to life with Night Sister magic, much like Maroc, who we saw when Ahsoka killed him, all this green smoke came out of him. And, you know, it seems like Maroc may have been foreshadowing for this new army of uh, undead stormtroopers. But I'm thinking that Enoch, the captain of the guard, and maybe the reason why he's so high ranking and Thrawn's right hand man, is that he's the last stormtrooper left alive. And all his compatriots have perished and then brought back to life. More on the topic of the Night Sisters, um, the cargo is interesting. The cargo that they're loading, the all the cargo that's going to take three days to load onto the Chimera. Now I'm thinking, well, I didn't think this originally. I just saw this online. But they almost look like coffins or graves of some sort. So it would be really interesting if these are stormtroopers that had perished on the Chimera originally that have been kept here in this uh, fortress area. Or it could be the corpses of dead Night Sisters, which would be really awesome. We've seen uh, Night Sister zombies in the Clone Wars. And they were also in the video game Jedi Fallen Order. Pretty terrifying running away from them. Um, if this is Thrawn's plan to go back to the wider galaxy and have a bunch of reanimated Night Sisters and Stormtroopers to fight against the New Republic, I think that's really awesome. And super dark. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, right, because he says in the end of the episode he needs the help of the Knight of the Great Mothers again. So it'll be interesting to see if the first time he needed their help was when they uh, reanimated all his Stormtroopers on board the Chimera. That's all I really have to say about the whole uh, Knight Troopers scenario. I think their armor is really cool. Uh, I guess I have more to say about it. So apparently there's a Japanese art form called Kintsugi, I'm hoping I'm saying that correctly, where they will crack like porcelain or glass bowls and they'll repair them with gold. So all like the little gold uh, trim or the gold filling you see on these stormtroopers is really cool that they've kind of used gold to fix their armor. You can also see it on the Chimera, on the parts that have battle damage. There's a bunch of like gold plating and stuff and especially Enix armor with the whole like Roman centurion golden night sister mask 
in place of his usual stormtrooper visor. I think that's awesome. The use of gold and the dark red of the Night Sisters, just a really cool color combination and a really cool design for the stormtroopers and Captain Enoch. Another part of the episode I find really interesting was the uh, conversations between Balin and his apprentice Shin. Um, it was really interesting to hear him again, you know, talk about the Jedi Order. Sounds like he really loved the Jedi Order and was a, a big part of it. And Order 66 and the destruction of the Order just really left him uh, pretty traumatized. You know, it's such a shame that the actor behind uh, Balin Skull, Ray Stevenson, uh, unfortunately passed away before Ahsoka was going to come out. So he's missed out on all the praise people are heaping on his character. And more than that, right, such an interesting character. And it'll be a pity to have his story close in the next two episodes and a pity that he's not going to be able to come back. I hope that they um, explore his backstory in some comics or something because really he's an, uh, an awesome character. Probably the best new character to come out of this show. And his performance is, is really awesome. He has such a presence on screen and all his expressions and little laughs and smiles really indicate how fondly he remembers the Jedi and how uh, broken his trust was in kind of their whole institution, right? Because he says he liked the idea of the Order, but he didn't like the reality of it and the weakness of the Order. So again, really interesting uh, development to his character. I hope we see more of him. Um, I hope we see a lot more of him in the next two episodes. I'm really hoping we get a Ezra versus Balin fight. I think that would be really cool because we haven't seen you know, Ezra fight with a lightsaber in a long time. And uh, Balin is a really awesome lightsaber fighter as well. So either Ezra versus uh, Balin or a rematch between Ahsoka and Balin would be cool. They also might, uh, you know, subvert all of that and have, like, Thrawn shoot him or something in some massive betrayal. Because we know that Thrawn doesn't really care if Balin and Shin are on the Chimera when they go back to the other galaxy. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works out. I'm wondering if uh, Balin will turn on Thrawn or Thrawn will turn on Balin. That'll be interesting to see. One last thing I wanted to touch on in this episode is that uh, Balin seems to think that there's some greater power out here in this galaxy or on the planet Peridia. Um, uh, Shin makes mention that the witches seem eager to leave and go back to the other galaxy, get off this planet. He says maybe they f are fleeing a power greater than their own. And he's, he says something is stirring here and that he can feel it calling out to him. Um, he seems pretty sure of himself about this. I'm really fascinated as to what this source of power could be that he feels is calling to him. One thought I had is maybe it could be the Bendu, who you remember from Rebels Season 3. He's sort of this uh, force being who sits in the middle of the force. He's not light or dark. He just watches and observes and just uses the force as it is right in the, in the middle of it. Um, it could be him or some similar creature to the Bendu. The music while he's talking about this is really deep and dark and foreboding. So I'm really hoping that there's some really cool uh, power of the dark side out here on Peridia just lurking. And it must be pretty powerful if even the uh, great mothers are scared of it. So, you know, it's telling that they all want to get the heck off this planet because something is there and stirring like Balin has said. So again, you know, more fuel to the fire that Balin is an awesome character. And I'm excited to see what they do with him. And that's all I wanted to talk about in regards to uh, episode 6 of Ahsoka. So now we have to wait a, a few more days for the next episode. I hope you guys are enjoying Ahsoka as much as I am. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And may the Force be with you.
always.